And we should get started right now. Can you give us a brief introduction of who you are and what you're about? Okay. So my name is June Ahern, and I am now retired. But for over 40 years, I did psychic readings and mediumship work. And now I'm involved in some paranormal investigations with the Haunted Bay. Uh, I'm also an author of four books, and two of them are nonfiction, and one is on the subject of uh, paranormal, how to talk with spirits, seances, mediums, and ghost hunts. And that's what I'm doing, and I give monthly Zoom talks on the metaphysical. And you've been doing this for about 40 years, subjects. correct? Well, actually, I started in 1975. Yeah, so that's a long time. So you have a lot of experience, Yeah, it's a long time. And I, hmm. I love it, uh, but I did stop doing uh, private readings, private sessions. Okay, yeah. okay. So why did you stop doing private readings? Well, you know, it's just like anything else in life where you get to a time where you, you know something's over. And uh, although I, I enjoyed it, it was taking a lot more energy than I had. I had other things going on um, that seemed to be more pressing. And I just, it was just time to change. And I was doing the paranormal investigations and talking about my books. And I went back to teaching a little bit more. So it was a decision. How do I, what do I want to do here? And I decided to let go of the majority of my clients. So speaking of, of your clients. paranormal books and your teaching, what kind of first so welcomed sorry, you into this you whole lifestyle? Oh, uh, I had a near fatal uh, accident. And when I came back, I went to, I died for a short time in the ambulance. And when I came back, um, my life changed just drastically after that, uh, I knew things about people uh, by looking at them, by hearing about them. And I began to say, why is this happening to, to me in my life? It wasn't something I was real comfortable with. Uh, I didn't understand it. I mean, I was a child of the 60s. I got all that LSD and all that stuff. But this was a little different. And it took me a long time to be able to even tell people that I died and went to the other side and had an experience there and came back. And, and that's what started me in it. Uh, and I got interested in the tarot cards. I wanted to learn about them and what it was about. And I started reading for people. And then people asked me to teach them. And I started teaching people. And it just seemed to, it, I never advertised okay. a life of its own. Right. So can you kind of elaborate more on this special experience you had, this sort of life after death scenario? Oh, the near, the near death? Yeah. You know, uh, you, know you, you have to remember, back in the 70s, people didn't really openly talk about it like they do now. It, it just something. And, and I grew up in a very religious household. And it was certainly not something you would talk about, you know, anything outside of the parameter of your religion, right? What they told you to think about. And... My experience is I did not see the light, so to speak. I didn't go through a tunnel. Um, I found myself standing in front of a ornate gate. It was a white gate, uh, you know, about chest high or one here. And on the other side, 
I saw people that were relatives. There were a whole bunch of people, some I recognized from photographs that my mother had. I never met them. We were immigrants to this country when I was a little girl. So I really didn't meet uh, relatives of my parents. But I did meet my grandfather because he came to America once to visit. And uh, he had passed and he came up and he was holding my grandmother's hand and they greeted me and I wanted to go in. I had never experienced, and since then I've done, you know, meditation, learned it. I had never experienced the divinity of peacefulness, beauty, and the calm joy. And I wanted to go in over the fence, you know. I wanted to be part of that group. And my grandparents said, not now, June, not now, go back, go back. I did not want to go back. And when I went back, when I woke up, uh, I woke up in the hospital and lots of stuff and tubes and things happening to me. And and uh, so getting better, I just put that then. I died, I went to the other side. And it was uh, really rough emotionally. You know, as a young person like you, I just wanted to fit in and go out with my friends and get high and go to a party <laughs> uh, to ponder upon. And I no longer fit in with my group of friends. And, and you know, and I was left with a lot of uh, facial scars at that time that were really bad. And uh, young people from their peers, you know, so my life changed a lot. Right. So can you kind of elaborate on how this divinity of peacefulness felt? Like, was it a feeling? Was it a sight? Like what, what, what occurred? Like how did it, what, what was happening? That's what I'm trying to say. Well, the, the beauty of the sight, if you will, the sunny day, but even beyond that, uh, you know, when they talk about bathed in light, bathed in white light, uh, it was very glowing. The green and the grass, the pastures where they were, like they were having a garden party, I guess. Everything, all the colors were amplified. And the feeling of the greatest joy, and we've all had joy, or most of us have experienced this. Everything in your body was so relaxed. Everything just felt so good. Uh, you were, you were happy. You, um, that's how it felt. You know, it was divine. It, this wonderful feeling of love. And, and that's how it felt. You were very calm, very quiet. Uh, even when I would hear the, the people on the other side, the relatives, the people laughing with each other, but very quietly. Just laughing. Uh, I've, I've really never experienced, and, and I, as I say, I belong to different, you know, spiritual groups and go to the Buddhist temple and, and there's, but never the same as I did then. Uh, bliss. I think a nice word would be bliss. It was blissful. I, maybe when I transition out of this body. Speaking of, um, this spirituality thing. Do you consider yourself more of a spiritual person or a religious person? What do you think? Yeah, spiritualist. Uh, you know, I've had relatives ask me, my mother asked me, you've fallen away from our religion. It was not fulfilling me. Uh, I, I wanted to find out more. I wanted to know, was there another way to say praise God? if you will, or uh, how could I connect differently? Did I have to go to somebody like a priest to tell me what God is saying? Or could I experience God on my own? Could I communicate with God on my own? And 
so I consider myself more of a spiritual. But he wants, I don't, that's fine. If it brings them joy, gives them peace. But it's not for me to be in an organized religion any so longer. So how do you actually deal with religious clients? Do you think they're a little bit superstitious or a little bit weary? No. No, I, I respect other people's religion. I have, you know, people of all kinds from all walks of life have come for readings. Uh, let me think if I can explain anybody I came, you know, of all different kinds of religions. And I treat them with the same respect that I would treat anybody that would, was looking for some kind of insights. Um, you know, I, I believe that we have these insights on our own, but it's like, you know, when you know what to do, but you go ask your, I always say a couple of your friends who tell you what you already know. Well, that's how I look at going for a reading. You know, you, you know, you know what's best for you, but sometimes you have to hear it from somebody else, especially someone so who doesn't know. What you. kind of motivate you to just so do readings specifically? Question, um, I respect, well, I was curious after my accident and how I began to know things like we could call it a deja vu. I would, this is before you knew who was calling you. <laughs> you just had to pick up the phone to find out. I would know who's calling me. I would know who I was going to see on the street. I could look at somebody and know something personal about them. And then if I, they said like, well, how do you know? I would know things. And so I was curious and wanted to find out how did I know this? Before my accident, I went for a card reading because you know, all the girls were going. You know, and the woman told me, you're going to be in a car accident. And this was about six months before the accident. There's going to be two men at your side. You're going to have to choose. Well, I was dating one guy, I guess, going out. So, and I went out with another guy who I got. How did she know this? And those were the playing decks of uh, ordinary playing deck of cards that she was reading. So I became very curious. How did this happen? How did she know I would have an accident? How did, and, and other things that she had said. Uh, but those are the main, that's the main one I remember. So I, that's how I got into, I didn't know what the tarot cards were, but I saw a class being offered. And I thought, well, it said the tarot cards. What are those? So I went to that. And the, that's how I got involved in the whole tarot cards and finding out, you know, how do they, how do they know things about people? So I began to study them. And I'm still studying. I'm studying the Kabbalah and the Tarot relationship now. What are some of the most interesting readings you've done? Oh, my God. I've done so many readings for so many different people. Uh, I once read for the uh, back for the uh, the secretary to the mayor of San Francisco. <laughs> and I couldn't say, right? You're, you're, it's private. It's yeah. like going to a therapist or, or a religious leader. Uh, you're a religious leader. You, you can't tell anybody. That was an interesting reading. I mean, he was uh, making financial decisions for the city of San Francisco. And so that was interesting. Uh, I don't know if, if I had told you, but I worked with the police on some murder cases uh, and a missing child case. It's not something that I enjoyed at all. Because it's very difficult. For one thing, it's very difficult working with. Uh, they're suspicious of you to begin with, and it just is very difficult to have spiritual experiences, like uh, spirit coming to talk to you, especially if it was a murdered victim, and you had to give information to the police. So you're technically a psychic detective in a way, right? I've had so many different readings. Go ahead. 
Uh, With that, with those cases, yes. I've had the police call me when there's been thefts, uh, missing child. I was so happy to be able to reunite that child with his mother. The father, who unfortunately was a schizophrenic, had taken the child, and I was able to find that child uh, by location, which I can't guarantee. I never guarantee anybody. So anything. I know you're the real I just thing, let but me do the best I can. How do you deal with other people that make your job a little bit harder? That maybe pretend that you know. Yeah, yeah. I had a guy that uh, would score me on. Well, that was good there. You batted right. I got to first base. Let's see if you can get me to second. I'm like, oh, Jesus, Mary Joseph. <laughs> well, you know, when I began, uh, I had a. When I was younger, I had. Uh, I had to have people believe in me. And as I got older, I was like, whatever, don't come for a reading. I've had people get up and leave. I've I've told people to leave. The way I look at it, I began to respect what I had, this particular ability. I know people call it a gift. And it is a gift, meaning I got to meet people throughout the whole world. I had people... Uh, bring me places to read for them and in that in itself and help more than anything I got to help people that were in difficult places I've had people write to me thank you I felt that my life was over um, you really helped me like that so when I came across people that didn't believe I was like great don't make an appointment I don't need to read for you I get a little I'm a little sassy I've been told and uh, so I just said, well, whatever. I've had people make fun of me in front of me they, as though talking to another person saying, get this one. You know, and I don't come from that neighborhood background where <laughs> you disrespect people easily and just do it. And I would tell them, right. I would just speak up. You know, you don't have to come. I'm not making fun of you. Why are you making fun of me? But yes, I've gone. So I've how gone is the it like way. taking, I, I know, you know, you have your skills, but. Building a business is an entirely different story for everyone. How is it like kind of transitioning your skills into a money-making system? Yes. Well, to begin with, as I said, I never advertised right. for a reading, ever. And I was busy. I, When I would do a reading, I still believed it was something that, that, the, that God wanted me to do. And I still use the word God. You know, uh, the all intelligence, but God is an easy word, three letters, you would say it. And I believe that this was something I should give to other people. And so I would hold jobs for the first X amount of times doing this all the way up until probably about 1990 something. So you figure 1975 was my first paying clients. And I held jobs because I thought, well, I'll do this, but I should really have a regular job. My jobs were never all that regular. And so I didn't advertise. People would tell other people about me. And that even that's how I got to work with the police. It was all word of mouth. But for my classes, I did. I did. There was no Internet. You couldn't go on there Come to me like that. Um, and so it t- turned into business. Now, what do you charge people? I was never very good at that money thing. And I would read some readers were charging people four or five hundred dollars. And I was like, that normal blue collar background kind of thing, you know, and, but I learned, well, if I'm going to do this and be available to people and still raise a son, I was a single parent, you know, keep a roof over her head. I had to charge something. So money was not my motivator. 
but I certainly had to move into the business world. I did have to get a business license if I was going to go downtown to the corporate world and I had to start pay taxes and things like that. So you made it work. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, right? Give unto God what is God. Made it work. So can you kind of tell us a little bit about your books now? What are your books about? Are you trying to teach people with your books or it's more of an autobiography? Well, uh, I have four books, two are fiction and two are nonfiction. So my first book was uh, called, well, Benefits, How to Get Out of a Psychic Reading, What It's All About. I wrote that because a friend of mine said, if you write it, I'll publish it and such. And I took all the questions that people would ask me, um, how do you read? Why do you use it? Everything anybody asked me, what kinds of questions do I ask? How long is the reading? What should I pay? Professional psychic reading as alternative counseling, which is kind of curious because I used to read for a lot of therapists come to me. So that was part of why I, I named it alternative counseling, you know, counseling. And that was to teach people, as you said. You know, I, I always have a great desire to give something back. If my life was made better because I did this, I would like you to have it a better life, a more fulfilling life, more successful. People use the word success. I don't use that fulfilling. And so uh, that's my first book. My second book is a fiction book, and it is a a little bit of autobiography, but set in a fictional framework. I made a little story around it, and it is about a psychic child and how difficult it is to be a psychic living in society, and especially living in the, the reviews by many people reviewed this book and read it. Uh, people would relate to that and say, I know how hard that was because I, it was hard for me, too. So the third book I, I wrote was uh, another fiction book. And I wrote that not to teach anybody anything because an actor down in L.A. asked me to write a book for her or asked me to write a screenplay for her, which I was doing. And then my sister, uh, my best friend, uh, passed on, died suddenly. So I stopped writing it. By the time I came back, she had already moved on. Uh, that's the way they are down there, <laughs> I've learned. And so I'm. that's how I wrote my third uh, fiction. And then when I wrote the last book, How to Talk with Spirits, I wrote that because a friend of mine said his angel came to him and said, I should write this book. Several times I said, no, I'm not writing another book. It's it's not just writing a book. It's marketing a book is really hard. Uh, especially oh, you're self-published. Self and I, yes. Yeah. And I'm glad I am. And I'm really glad I am. And I tell writers, if you're going to, you know, be self-published, you don't have to jump through a lot of hoops. Agents, the guts to be self-published. And you have the motivation to be, because you got to work really hard. Even people that are published, even well-known authors, have to get out and market themselves. And this because I went to a lot of writer circles, belonged to people, and they said, just because you're published by a, a publishing house, there are even authors now that have been published for years that are going to be self, that are going to be in self-published. So there's a lot more control over being self-published. And I'm really glad that, that I am. And the fourth book I put out and how to talk with spirits, and it has taken me along a whole different road than I ever thought about going on Amazon Prime. It's on AsianAmerican.com. Uh, there are uh, 
a screenwriter, producer, a screenwriter in L.A. who's already had movies out, won some awards for uh, indies, that will be made based upon my life and murder my publisher to my agent to me. He came directly to me. And so that's where my life has gone. And if I could share, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. So I think the next thing I want to ask you is that how is it like getting your first customers in the door? Were you, I, I know you weren't like advertising yourself, but you had to have some way of actually bringing people to your front's doorstep, you know? My first, my first customers were three sisters, uh, twins and their younger sister were a friend of a friend of mine. So I had been, I had all my people I was trying, you know, I would read for everybody, friends, sisters, brothers, anybody who came to me, I would read for because I had to learn. And she said, I have three friends that want to come and get a reading from you. Uh, and they're going to pay you $5. I go, they're going to pay me $5 each. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, they came and I did it at my kitchen table to, you know, they waited in the living room and then they would come in one or the other. And so they went out and they told their friends and they came and uh, paid me $5. Then the neighbors are retired. Right. Oops. So I don't really, yeah, yeah. Anybody. but anyway, uh, they came and they told their friends and that's how it happened. Uh, people just start showing up and coming to me. So what kind of motivated you to kind of move on to, you know, more of the mainstream stuff, like the TV shows, YouTube channels? Was it more spiritual or was it more business-based? I began teaching because people said, oh, it was opportunities. That's what it was. Um, Usually I listen to the advice of of some close friends, you know, like, oh, get in touch with people are talking, uh, was a television program in the 80s or uh, someone would hear from me and say well I do like you I do a radio show they used to have little you know radio shows would you come and be on my radio show the Haunted Bay Ying is passed on and then when she got involved with filming Paranormal started out at State College it was a project for her and she wanted to do something they wanted to do the Zodiac so she said I'm contacting you because I know you're the real deal. Would you like to come and do this, this, um, you know, investigation with me? I said, well, I won't do the Zodiac because that's very intense. But I did something else. She found another place. Uh, You know, I didn't get paid for any of this. I went out of an interest. I still don't get paid for this, you know, to do the paranormal. And I'm not asking them. I love the group and I I enjoy what I'm doing. And it's interesting to me. And so I I would go out and, and... meet them, meet Ying and Cody and Matt and all of the ones involved there. And they would be filmed. So I didn't do it out of a business. I did it out of interest. Volunteer. Career of this has started out as an interest. I volunteer. I wanted to go. I didn't want to charge people a lot of money like the other readers. I started out like that. I did it because it's my interest in, and it is part of my spiritual growth. Very much so. So working with this paranormal team, you're a lot more... Um, you have a skill set in theurgy as well. So you know also about the spirits outside that aren't humans either. Can you kind of elaborate on how you would work with them? And Yeah, well, some are really easy to work with <laughs> and some are not. Well, the, the crew is really good. They, they, they give me free, free reign. And then they'll ask logical questions. Um, Matt Abaya 
was on the uh, the filming crew. He has his own movie out now. And um, he didn't really believe in it, but he came along. He eventually, we did enough uh, ghost investigations that he turned around and said, wow, there's really something to this. I, I divide just for the sense of clarity. Spirit is you and I. And when we pass on, our spirit doesn't, you know, it's, our spirit is our spirit of who we are. And then the ones that stay around, I call them ghosts, but they're truly our spirits. And the ghosts stay around because they're just too attached to their life. Maybe they had a violent death. Uh, usually that's often what it is. Maybe they have many of them are willing to talk, they uh, be seen. Some are hide and seek. You have to kind of find them. But usually when someone like me comes along and they're talking to me, they're like, oh, wow, somebody can hear us and we and they can talk, we can talk to them. So I ask them what they want. Why are you still hanging around us? What I say, you know, I, I read this. Everybody says, oh, they should pass on to the other side, send them to the light. Well, I began to learn there's some there's some ghosts that don't want to go to the other lights that are not nice entities. They are not here to do any kind thing uh, to humans. Uh, you know, you have the victim ghost. I was killed. I want everybody to know I was hung and I shouldn't have been. And then you have entities and they are dark. <clears throat> Sometimes we're, they're shadow entities. Yeah, so non-human, Sometimes if you will. Sometimes they are up to no good for the for the living. And, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, mm. some had been maybe human. And then there are non-human entities. And they will want to invade a living being. So I don't mm. like the idea that people think it's a game. It's not a game. And you should know what you're doing. Um, so I do pick and choose. Like there's some places that I, I don't want to go. Like, as I said, to the Zodiac Circle where horrible things happen to people and they, you know, a lot of blood and crying. So I will. I've turned the uh, the Haunted Bay down a few times that I don't want to go to certain places. You know, so you know, I, I kind of want to keep it cheery and happy, like the happy medium. Though I did get caught the last place they took me. And I told Ying, I said, I told you I didn't want to go to this place. I can't talk about it because it hasn't come out yet on video. Uh, but it was horrible. And uh, I almost fainted. They had to carry, they almost had to carry me out of the room. You know, it's cool. I'm not a it's quite interesting. You know, you get these people that say, I don't believe in any of this stuff. And then the minute you tell them if they want to go to a haunted house, they're like, oh, no, 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 I wouldn't do that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're like, oh, yeah. Well, people make yeah, it up. Yeah. I, there are some, I can't stay. They're giving, they're giving mediums bad names <laughs> is the way I look at it. You know? Um, but yeah, there people tell me that, you know, I don't believe in that stuff. And what they want me to do is prove it to me. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you go to one of these spaces I go to and you tell me how you feel. Well, you know, that, that's also it's the fun. other philosophy. Well, I hope you attract fun. what you believe, you know, and a lot of yeah, times but, these people you know, that, like I said, you know, Matt, don't believe. Gave Matt, uh, say at the end, when you're leaving this body, you're leaving this life, there's been more people that cry out, oh, God, oh, God, save me. And they are atheists. <laughs> And so it's hard. I, I think everybody should find their, their own beliefs. I don't like pushing. I don't like anybody pushing stuff on me. But uh, like I, I said, you know, when Matt and I did the defenestration building in San Francisco building, um, he was not a, a believer. And when I and his his grandfather's, I said, are your grandfathers both in the military? Whatever message I gave him. <laughs> and he said, how do you know that? I said, well, Matt, why are you filming me? <laughs> if you don't believe, he began to say, wow, there, there's something to this. You know, experience it for yourself. That's what I right. tell people. And do it yourself. How do you think most people would do it themselves? Yeah. 
Yeah, do it yourself. Find out for yourself. Don't do it because I told you. I believe it was Buddhist that even Buddha that even thought, don't you know? Don't believe in the philosophy of other people. Don't follow their teachings. Right. Find out for yourself, and that's the, and you know, experience it because you can. You can experience it if you keep an open mind. Yeah. So another thing is this: I've been thinking, how do you actually bring in a positive message to the psychic community? What do you think your contribution is? I want readers to remember that that's exactly what you are. You are a reader of that person's uh, unconscious mind or acoustic records, everything about their past life, their history. Everything's put up there in these little – we'll look at it and we'll think about golden doors with little records on it. You are not the greatest person. You are not the one that is going to change this person's life. That person has to be willing to change their own life. That's all you are is to give them information. You. Personally, I don't believe you should answer any or involve yourself in any questions that say, when am I going to die? You do not want to string people along. No one should come for a reading really within a year's time, maybe two years time. People that uh, encourage people to come back for readings. Mm -mm. No, readers do not have a power that you, readers should empower their clients to think and make decisions based on what the reader is picking up. You should empower the person. That's my message to like says, oh, yeah, well, I'm able to do this and that. No, you're just an instrument. You are an instrument. That's what you are. And that's why you should be humble. That's the gift. So it seems like there's a little bit of back and forth between which philosophy is better. You know, one thinks they're in control. The other sees them more as the instrument. And which side do you think will win in the end with that? to be people they're always going to be people that want someone else to tell them what to do that's life as uh colbert robert colbert said you know they're sheeples and i've had people come to me that's oh june tell me should i and i'm like well wait a minute let's look at it all i believe that there will be always people going to readers to tell them what to do and they will praise the, the reader i've heard the praises Oh my God, they're the best. You want to go to them. And then there will be readers who, like myself, says, can I lead somebody to their own awareness? Can I enlighten them? When I I told my mother, I was probably in my 30s by then. I said, I don't want to read anymore. And my whole reputation was built on how accurate I was. I mean, people were like, oh, she's the best. And and I, I said, I would rather spiritually enlighten people. Because my own practice was taking me to a greater place of that kind of thinking. And so my to you if you don't read the other way. I said, well, that's the gamble I'm going to have to take. <laughs> you know, and I took the gamble. And I, w- I attracted really interesting people that truly wanted to grow within their own self, the spirit of the self. I still got the other people, you know. I got I got the ones that still wanted that, but I handled it differently. When they would said, when they would say, "Should I should I get in this relationship?" and I said, "Well, um, here's what the relationship could give you. Here's how you want to heal something of your own thoughts in order that you work this relationship more for fu- uh, more fulfillment." And they're like, "But should I?" and I said, "I can't answer that for you." And so that person wouldn't come back, right? Well, there you go. 
there were always, I had a list, people were waiting two and three months to see me. So it was okay for me to let go of somebody and attract, as you said, attract the right person for me. And it worked, it worked, it worked for a lot of years. And speaking of that, why do you think, so most of your clients generally, what do your clients really want from because I don't think we've elaborated on that yet. Uh, so the clients I have that I had toward the more ending of my, than the yes. beginning of my profession uh, transitioned as I transitioned into other ways of, of reading <clears throat> what they, what my clients want mm. now, cause they know I'm not going to tell them whether. So what they're looking for is to understand their own ability to attract what they want in life. I mean, I still do metaphysical coaching. I got out of the uh, life coaching, you know, uh, corporate people and such like that. I do metaphysical coaching where I continue to teach people how to use attraction, how to use their own life, how to understand what what is involved with the law of attraction, you know, the hermetic principles, how to really truly fulfill their own self. Uh, as you know, why are we here on planet Earth? What are we supposed to do? Uh, how can we be a better person and then share it with other, not for your own gain, you know, for the purpose of you're, you're the greatest, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins or something. Some guy said that to me and I go, well, you're dead. You're dead. Who cares what toys you have? <laughs> and I have great clients that have fulfilled their life in ways they have, they only had hope for, or they didn't think was available to them. Just like me. I didn't know my life was going to be like this. I had no idea I'd write books. I had no idea there would be a movie made about me. None of that was on my little list of my thing was, I hope I could make the mortgage and get my son yeah, yeah. up into adulthood. That was, I was kind of simple. How does your family, so I want to get into your family now. How does your family think about your whole lifestyle? In the beginning, it was difficult. As I said, uh, you know, we're a pretty religious family. We're quite religious. And um, it's really hard. My mother was an extremely sweet, loving woman. And, you know, she whatever her kids did. And there were some bad kids. There were eight of us. <laughs> some went off to prison and some went off to... <laughs> and so she would accept whatever we were doing. As long as she kept saying, but do you still believe in Jesus? Do you still believe in God? And I would say, yeah, mom, I do. It's just different. So, but my father, oh my God. And I have another brother. I call him a born again Catholic. You know, he did his time in prison. So he got out and he became the born again, right? And they were calling me, you know, you must be working for the devil. The devil's got a hold of you. Uh, my, my sisters, my sisters were cool. They're like, oh, June, give me a reading, give me a reading. You know, uh, they thought it was fun and, and funny. So that was, that, that was good. It took a while for my father to come around. He came around before my brother because he said to me, and this was a couple of years before he died. He said, I heard you do past life stuff. Would you do that for me? And my father was um, a very hard man. He's a typical old country father. I mean, he ruled with an iron fist. And back in those days, you could beat your kids and nobody called the cops. <laughs> you know, um, he thought he was doing the right thing. And so once I did that, and then he gave me uh, Raymond Moody, Dr. Raymond Moody's book on life after life, uh, which I had not known. So he acknowledged that he believed I did go to the other side and I did have something. My brother took, it wasn't until the last few years that my brother, who's a very strict, strict 
Catholic, that he read my book, How to Read with Spirits, and he said to me, June, I'm sorry, I had no idea. The rest of my family supported me. And some of my sisters, of course, have the psychic abilities I have. My mother had had psychic abilities, but she didn't speak about it openly till later. And so it, it evolved over time. It evolved over time how they began to accept me. To my mother, as long as I kept believing in God and Jesus and Our Lady, I was okay. <laughs> yeah, it was hard. It, it was it was hard. It was sad for me to be rejected. You know, in, in many ways, we're a big family. Like I said, an immigrant family, and immigrant families really stick together. I think sometimes more than most families. Right. And what would you consider your powers? Probably yeah. too much family is. Oh, God. Your powers. Is it more clairvoyance? Maybe mediumship? Yes. In the beginning, it was clairvoyant. Correct. In the beginning, it was clairvoyant, and then it was somewhat clear audio. Uh, certainly not as much clairsentient, uh, but in time, uh, it evolved over to a sense of knowing. I have to call it just knowing now. I still do get images. I, I do hear messages. Some of those messages translate into my own voice some are clearly not my own voice at all sometimes the language is more like what we would call old english and i have to bring it into this way of speaking so i would translate to be able to talk to a client uh, it really is has evolved to the place of knowing that's how i look at it um, when I speak with spirits, it is more clear audio. And so I speak to ghosts or spirit. I'm asking them. I don't always see what they look like completely. I may see a portion of them. So I cannot describe them fully. I may describe them in parts like they have certain eye color or they're big or they're small like that. So all, all, all parts of it. Clear sensing is probably, you know, my least forte, my least power. Uh, and I think it's a good thing. Uh, I've worked with clairsentient people, empaths now that speak more about empath, and they have the greatest problems of uh, maybe becoming ill or becoming or uh, attracting an attachment of a ghost or a low grade entity. So I really work with clairsentient people to be less clairsentient and maybe clear audio or clairvoyant. Good question. Thank you. So have you ever had to work in teams with other people to handle big issues? Yes, absolutely. And I like it. I, you know, I, I've actually solicited other psychics to work with me and some say no and some say yes. Um, especially when I worked on the murder, uh, one particular murder case, actually two, uh, I did solicit some uh, other psychics I knew. And I did it pass by my stuff. Well, first I asked them for theirs and then we kind of compared notes. And then since I was working directly with the police, uh, I would take what we both said, you know, and I would try to make it reasonable and give it to them. Uh, the paranormal, we've done a few videos that I asked Ying. I said, could we ask this psychic to, you know, this other medium, could we ask that medium to come and work with, with me? Because I don't know. Did I really pick it up or is it my imagination? I, I still question myself. I like proof. I don't like anything given to me before. Even readings, I would say to people that, you know, people want to give you the, tell me, I don't want anything about you other than you're coming, your name and you're coming. Uh, and then, then I can find out, am I really on the right track? But yes, to your question, I enjoy it. I'd like to do more like that. 
I actually asked a uh, recent, recently asked a medium to come with me on this particular investigation that I'm doing privately. I'm doing a private investigation. Right. And I asked, I said, I'd like to bring another medium with me. I don't need. And um, another thing I found, fun, uh, but I, I really don't. Right. So another thing I found pretty funny is that I noticed a lot of times psychics would be like, tell me about yourself. And they would use that extra information to kind of fish out more answers. But what you do is you really just get everything from what you do. Yeah, it's uh, for lack of a better word. It's kind of a fun game for me. I want to know how much I know. You know, I, I want to do it myself. I mean, I've had people say, oh, you're you're wrong. You're wrong. If, if someone really thinks I'm wrong, I don't ever charge them. I just send them on their way. But I don't give them much more of my time. You know, to me, my time's too, too precious. Uh, yes, there are psychics like that. Some psychics will ask you for your birth date because they do work off of the birth date. That, that's reasonable. Uh, I believe a psych, if a person is saying they are psychic and you're going to them, they should be able to pick up something personal about you, whether it be a name, whether it be a place, whether it be a time of your history. Like I often say to people, at the age of 10, I see that you really felt you had to take over the family life because something was wrong. They go, yeah, that's when my parents divorced. Like that. Uh, I, I do, to me, we're not genuine. I Even the investigations that I do with Ying, the Haunted Bay, I tell her... Invite me to go, say it's a building that I want you to go to. Uh, it's been known to be haunted. Uh, it's in another county. Would you drive there? Because I hate driving at night now. Mm. And I, and, but don't tell me anything. Don't give me the address. Don't tell me the name of the building. If it's a, a well-known building, let me just come there. I don't want any of it in psychic mind to know something. It pisses me off when someone says something and I've already picked it up and want to tell them. Now I feel like, why tell them? You know, they already told me. So I like not knowing. And if I need to know something, I'll ask you. And usually I'll say, I'm picking this up. Does that, is that right? And the person either says yes or no. If they say yes, we go on. If they go, well, you're kind of off. You're not really right. I say, what I say to them, do you want me to go on with the reading or not? I'm pretty, I guess that's a little blunt, but that's, you know, do you want me to do it or not? I it's up to you. I don't. Well, charge so you don't them. charge them either. Like, okay, bye. Thank you. So you are. Right. I don't charge if a person. If I tell a person something in the first say five ten minutes, I give them what I'm picking up, and they say no, then I don't continue with the reading. They say no, that's not right. Then I say, well, why go on with the reading? I don't charge them. No, I do not charge them. No, it didn't feel ethical to me to take money from somebody for a service that I was not able to provide in the first five or ten minutes. I won't go on. I won't give them any more of my time. Yeah, I do I think agree. that's fair, don't you? So what types of situations would something like that not work? Would it be more of a spiritual thing within them, or is it more on your end? What do you think it is? Well, well it could be both. It could be I'm not the right reader for them. You know, they could go to another reader. I've had somebody say before after a reading, she said, yeah, it was okay, but could you recommend someone else? At first I was like, What? <laughs> I got over I got over my ego. I said, yeah, actually I do. I like this woman. I go to her myself. I mean, now I've turned uh, my clients, I turn them over to a few other readers that I've had readings with. So I don't mind. So what happens is I begin to tell you, I meditate before you come. I already, I've already got all the inf this information. And so when you sit down, I start right away. I go, okay, I'm picking up. I'm picking up that uh, you 
are good with your hands, but lately you've been feeling really kind of clumsy, like you can't get things done. And, and I begin to tell them. And if the person says, how will I know if your information is correct? I said, you'll either know it mentally because it, you resonate with it, or you'll just feel it. You'll just feel it in your heart. And then if the person says, well, you're a nice lady, but I don't think you're right. And I, and I, I don't even question them. I say, well, it's up to you. I mean, it's up to you. You want me to go on? You don't want me to go on. Sometimes people are, are very linear. They need you to tell them exactly. What is that person's name? How does that person look? What is my job going to be like? No, that's not my job. Well, I've had people actually, and this is true, contact me 5, 10, 15 years later. This is the truth that said to me, when I came for reading, I thought you were really no good or you were really off or whatever. But everything you said is exactly what happened in my life. But it took 10 years. And I say, well, you know, if it took you that long to get it together, well, there you go. You know, I can't take you out and tell you when it will happen. So how do I, uh, you know, that's how you know. You just know. I've gone to readings before where I've sat down and went, Oh my God, I wish I was out of here. The person was so off. And I didn't lie. I just said to the person, I don't think you're picking me up right. And that can happen. It could be both. It could be the client and it could be the reader. So here's another thing. When you say you need information, right, what's the little bit of information that you actually need usually when you're working with clients? So you said birthday. What else? Is that it? Sometimes I just take the birthday. Sometimes. I might take the birthday. Usually I ask because I don't do numerology, but I do do some numerology. Um, you know what? I, I actually don't want anything other than their name. Just make your appointment. Now, I do tell people before I give an appointment, now I can email it. Back in the olden days, I had to spend time on the phone. And oh, thank God for emails like that. I tell people how I read in the reading and what I expect for them. Meaning, don't ask me if you'll fall in love. I don't know. But you can ask me, what will I do to attract to me someone like a life partner? That I will answer. So before anybody even comes to me, they know how I work. But I don't want anything other than, well, I don't do readings anymore, but that was how I was doing them. Just give, make an appointment. Do you agree to my terms? That's what I say. I do have a cancellation policy. I finally got that, you know, just don't get right away. That's not working. So I had to throw, you know, don't call me up and say, you know, it's not a good day for me. I'm like, well, I put this day aside for you. <laughs> so I did, I, I started taking deposits. Cancellation, meaning if you give me the 48 hours, I just return your money. Why keep somebody's money, you know? Anyways, so that's that. So, did that answer yeah, you question? definitely did. And I think the final thing I want to ask you is, is um, what are some remarks you have to give to anybody listening right now? Remarks to, to somebody that what? What remarks you have to give to anybody? Regarding what? Anybody that's listening right now about what you do, what your message is as a psychic. Like, do you have any, you know, suggestions about how to reach their own psychic, you I know, think psychic. spiritual level? I mean, oh, yeah, I have a lot of suggestions of that. Come to my monthly Zoom talks, and you will go through a lot of that. Um, what I what I suggest to people is be open to your own psychic mind. If you are going to find a psychic, that psychic just don't go by what they charge. That they're any better than a psychic that may charge, you know, 
I mean, they have to charge something because that's their time. They could charge a hundred dollars, you know, maybe 150, but you don't need to go to a $500 psychic. They're not going to give you any more information. You could even go to a fair and meet a great psychic. Why do you go to a give the psychic should give you information to set you on a better course of life. They should not be warning you about death or evil people, or I can light a candle and, you know, give me your money and all that bad thing. Psychics are really a good part. I've, I've read for people that took their readings to their therapist and went through and did some healing around a certain thing. I've read medically for people trust. And you trust that psychic because they do really do what I'm doing today. Answer your questions. They should not shy away from your questions. They should direct you and to fulfill your life better and help you grow your psychic mind. We all have a psychic mind. I love teaching people and they love learning it. You know, wow, I can do this on my own. And then you serve humanity. You serve other people with your psychic abilities to make their life better. That's my message to people that we need to grow more psychically into our own spirit because spiritual people use their intuition and psychic much more than people that are not following a spiritual path. I think that's all right. Thank you again. Thank you for your questions. You, uh, gave real, you asked really, really right. good direct questions. Well, we're going to tune out now. Thank you all for listening. This is the show.